Welcome to Season 2 of History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino, and let's dive into the past. Welcome to History, Books, and Wine. We're your hosts, Eliza Knight and Lori Ann Bailey. Today, I'm going to be chatting with Lori about how people in the past stayed warm and didn't freeze to death in frigid weather. We're excited, so pour a glass of vino and let's get diving into that past. And super excited, Eliza, what are we drinking today? Because we're having the same thing. Oh, yeah. So as you may have heard from a previous podcast, Lori and I both got the Costco wine advent calendar. Basically, every day you open up whatever day it is and pull out a little bottle of wine and it's been pretty exciting. So this is day 20. And we're having Flu the Coop, which is kind of a creepy label. Actually, it's a guy with a jacket. And his head is a empty birdcage and there's like feathers that have fallen out of it, which is kind of scary. It is kind of creepy. Yeah. But hopefully it's going to taste good. Yeah. And then when I hit the QR code, there was a fun little video. But the thing I liked the most was at the bottom. It said, pair drama with drama. (laughs) I just thought that was hilarious. It said, let's face it, Syrah, which is the type of wine this is, is kind of a diva. Bold, always making a big deal of an entrance. This is a wine that needs a meal that can handle it. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's hilarious. So That sounds perfect. Right? Exactly. (laughs) So we're going to pair our drama with some freezing stuff, how to stay warm. That's pretty dramatic. It is very dramatic. (laughs) Let's figure out how not to die when it's winter. Yeah. Hey, history lovers, Eliza here. We're interrupting today's happy hour to let you know that Lori and I host another fascinating podcast with our friend, Brenna Ash. Hey there, this is Brenna. Crime Feast is a true crime podcast hosted by three friends who are obsessed with all things crime. Each week, join Brenna, Eliza, and I as we serve up a platter of murders, mayhem, missing persons, tragedies, and more. Feast on notorious tales ripped from today's headlines and resurrected from the past. Until then, stay safe out there. We don't want you on the menu next. Now, back to the show. Cheers! And just before we start with that, the reason I picked this topic is that I just feel as I get older, I'm colder and colder all the time. And I have such a hard time getting warm. So I was like, okay, I have a heater, I have down blankets, I have, you know, flannel pants. <laughs> How do people in the olden days stay warm if I'm sitting here like dying? That's pretty much why I picked this topic. And as we head into more frigid days, <laughs> it seemed appropriate. <laughs> I was going to say, I think that's how my husband feels, because I'm in that stage of life where I'm hot all the time, Yeah, until I'm not, but yeah, I keep our room very cold. Well, at night, I do also. It's on 65, which everyone in my family complains about, but I'm like, just pile on the blankets, because for some reason, when I'm sleeping, I do get very hot. Like, I can't, I used to be like a flannel, sweatpants, and sweatshirt to bed type person, and now I'm wearing like shorts and a tank top. So mm-hmm. I don't know what the difference is at night. During the day, cold all day long. My hands are cold. Yeah. My feet are cold. And then nighttime hits and I'm like, oh, now I'm really hot. <laughs> I'll admit I'm the same way too. I'm, I am I think I'm at that point where I'm 
I'm either hot or I'm either cold. Yeah. And there's like this small, perfect area in between. And I just want to be in that perfect area all the time. I want to be in the perfect area too. It's so unfair. (laughs) So um, when I say olden days, we're talking about before there was power, AKA like no electricity or no gas power, uh, no thick double paned windows or fiberglass insulation or heating pads or anything. (laughs) I'm already cold thinking about this. I know. I feel like, So we're going way back here. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when our power goes out during a heavy snow or ice storm, we have to resort to the basics, putting, you know, the fire on and piling on the blankets. Mm -hmm. And honestly, even in the winter when my heater is working, I like to curl up under a blanket or before the fire anyway, especially in the evening, like watching a movie or something or reading a book. I love blankets in movies. Same. It's so cuddly. Even in the summer, I do that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but in any case, even though we're talking about history today, maybe you'll find some of these things that I'll be chatting about useful if you ever do find yourself in a situation where your power goes out. I'm going to be so prepared after this. <laughs> I'm excited. You're going to be very prepared. And some of the things you might not want to try either. But well. I mean, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive in. Oh, I do want to mention also that Besides having to figure out how to stay warm in the winter, people also had to figure out how to stay fed as well as healthy because mm-hmm. food, uh, they didn't have grocery stores or anything like that back then. So they really had to stock up for the winter. And you know how it is now with everyone spreading their germs together in winter because they're all stuck inside. Imagine how it was back then with no healthcare system or antibiotics. Misery. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyways, that's a bit of off topic there, but I just wanted to point out some small bits of info um, to say Mm -hmm. that winter was dangerous for everyone back then. (laughs) It would be like the one time (laughs) you're like, I'm dreading this winter. They had to prep all year long just for the the cold. Exactly. It's crazy, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So how did they stay alive and not freeze to death? Food. I mentioned food, but when you eat in like warm soup or stews that they used to call pottage, the hot food actually helped to warm them up from the inside. Mm-hmm. And they also drank a lot of red wine and liquor. But unfortunately, they didn't realize that uh, alcohol actually provides you with false heat. Oh, no. Yeah. I was just thinking when I get cold, I'm going to yeah. crack open a <laughs> bottle of wine. But maybe I should. Well, you could. But just make sure if you're outside that you're properly dressed. so the way it works is that alcohol it dilates your blood vessels and sends more blood to your skin which makes your skin feel really warm and may give you like that nice flush appearance or as my my sister-in-law calls it her tomato face (laughs) so that's how that happens uh but in actuality you're you're losing body heat faster when you drink alcohol than when you are not drinking alcohol Mm. It's kind of like when you blast your heater in the house and then you leave the front door open. So all the heat's kind of just dissipating out of the house faster than if you had left the door shut, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The next thing that they did to stay warm was clothing, obviously. Like we do now, they wore a lot of layers. Mm -hmm. Multiple socks, layers of pants, skirts. They wore thick cloaks. And if they were lucky, their cloaks were lined with furs or wool which wool was the more popular option, I think probably because it was cheaper and more readily available. I don't know. I think I would have preferred the fur just because wool is so scratchy. It is really scratchy. 
And, you know, I think a lot of times they used to also wear like animal skins too, because it would hold in some of the heat. Mm -hmm. They wore boots and mittens or muffs. And of course, they were sitting around chatting with family and friends under blankets. So blankets were part of that layer thing. And oftentimes when they would yeah. travel in their carriages or horseback or whatever, they would also wear blankets uh, to cover their legs. Funny side note about that real quick. <laughs> when I was in Switzerland yeah. uh, a few years ago, a lot of the people there traveled to and from work on mopeds. And mm-hmm. I had never seen this before, but they all had these leather-like blanket things that would pull up in the front so they were all like riding their little motorcycles with blankets on that were like attached to their bike oh. i'd never seen that before oh that's a great idea though yeah and what i was thinking of when you were talking about the blankets is going to my kids football oh my games gosh. and sitting outside in the cold yes on the cold bleachers i've started taking blankets for that yep, we keep them in our car because it's the same thing for soccer and it is so cold sometimes. And, and once the sun drops, it the temperature drops like 10 degrees. So we have mm-hmm. a whole storage thing of blankets in our car for, for the games. Because, yeah, it, you, it's not manageable. It's torture. Yeah. They would pile extra blankets on their beds as well. And if they were wealthy enough to have a four-poster bed, they also had curtains that they would pull around the bed to hold in the heat inside their bed. I could see that holding the heat in. Yeah. So that's the clothing option. The other option is animals. They would cuddle their pets at night or during the day, even allowing their dogs to sleep on their feet while they ate or sewed or whatever they were doing. Pets can get really hot. Yeah, I can can see that. They can. Mm-hmm. I totally do this because my, my dogs uh, lay under my desk while I'm working. And in the winter, I will absolutely stick my toes under their bellies <laughs> and warm up. That's a great idea. I I've, I remember laying on the sofa a few times and one of the pets laying on me and they'll get up and leave. And I'm like, oh, no, come back. No, come back. Cold. You were so warm. <laughs> it really does help, doesn't it? And they've got their fur. And so mm-hmm. it's basically like wearing a fur. Yeah. So those of lesser means would also bring their other animals inside the home to sleep, like cows and horses, donkeys and sheep, because their heat would sort of help radiate heat in the house. You know, like when you're at like a party and there's 70 people in the room, it suddenly gets super, super hot. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Bodies are creating the heat in the room. Yeah. So this not only spread heat in the house to having their animals inside, but it also kept their animals from freezing on really cold nights, which would have been very bad. That's important. Especially because they needed those animals. Oftentimes they would either be providing them with milk that they could use for food Mm -hmm. or they were also used for transportation or if they, you know, maybe they were the ones providing the wool. So they really needed to make sure they kept their animals alive. But I guess you learn to sleep with a lot of noise oh around gosh, because yeah. imagine all the animal sounds. Well, and also I bet they were really exhausted <laughs> anyway because they had to work so hard. I mean, maybe not if you were like a lady of leisure or something, but, you know, regular people were working so hard just to stay alive. They were probably exhausted. Mm-hmm. So speaking of sleeping, they would co-sleep. So at night they would all pile into bed together, sharing body heat. It's um, funny because randomly two of my daughters uh, slept in tents last weekend when I was writing up this script. One is in Ohio and one was here. 
I had no idea about either one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, one was in a sleepover that <laughs> she didn't realize they were sleeping outside either. And then my one yeah. in college went camping with some friends. Um, but in any case, um, it got down to 30 degrees that night. Ooh. And neither one of them had really thought about that. They, they weren't prepared. No. They didn't listen to this episode. They needed to. They ended up piling in together with their friends and sharing all the blankets and sleeping bags to just stay warm. Mm-hmm. And they and they both learned how to do it. You learned they these did. things. Isn't that funny? I was like, this is really random that you both slept in tents. Like, nobody mm-hmm. sleeps in tents here. <laughs> Another way to stay warm is through exercise or games. Even though it was cold outside, that didn't mean people didn't go out and exercise. Not like we might go take a jog or something like that. Um, they did different sorts of things that would help keep them warm. So they would play in the snow. They would go ice skating. They would sled. When they uh, were inside, they would do different board games, but they would also dance and maybe play a game of tag. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A fun fact, when you exercise, your muscles convert stored energy. This is going to be a lot of crazy big words that I looked up, so... <laughs> We've got some science going on here. Science time. So it converts stored energy, which is called ATP or adenosine triphosphate. I hope I said that right. And (laughs) And it uses creatine phosphate, glycogen, and your aerobic respiration, all of which comes from glucose in the muscles, food in your intestines, glycogen in the liver, fat reserves, and if you're starving, your own body's protein. Anyways... All that is turned into heat energy, which keeps you warm. Hmm. Interesting, right? If you get over your core temperature, for most of us is, I guess the typical person's 98.6. Mine's like 97 point something. Mine's lower than normal too. Yeah. I think a lot of women's are. Yeah. But now I know what I'm going to do. Next time I get cold, I'm not going to drink, but I'm going to turn on some music yes, and dance. Yes, do that. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, if, yeah, just dance or, you know... Do some squats or like run around your house, play tag or chase with your dog or something. Grab the yes. animals and <laughs> tell them to stay yes. and sleep on top on of me. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing that they did to stay alive and warm was the use of insulation. Some people didn't have much insulation in their homes, especially the poorer folks. Like oftentimes if they just had like a, I forget what it's called, a waddle and daub basically or whatever. It was like the wooden and mud type house with like Mm -hmm. uh, a reed type roof not a lot of insulation there yeah heat would leak out of that exactly yeah and people who did have uh, means oftentimes they would line their walls with things like wool or hay and uh, if you lived in a castle your walls were at least like two feet thick of stone so there might have been a draft but it was blocking a lot of that much colder weather Yeah. The next thing was heating elements. And these are all kind of clever. And we actually still use some modified versions of these today, which I thought was pretty interesting. So the first one, obviously, is fire. Most people had a fireplace or something called a brazier, which is like a modern day metal fire pit type thing. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't have a chimney, they would have to cut a hole in their roof to let the smoke out. Because you can imagine how smoky it would get in house, even with the a hole yeah. in the roof. It's not going to be very good air quality, I would say. No, you'll, <laughs> that that's really going to help with all those viruses you uh, pick yeah. up when you're stuck in yeah, together. Not good. So with your fireplace or brazier, brazier, um, it would provide some warmth, but not what you would expect if you had, say, a furnace. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. if you have the fire in one room, it's not going to 
provide heat to the next room or even, you know, 20 feet away. So it starts to get pretty cold after that amount of distance, I guess. A fire also <laughs> has to be constantly maintained to keep it going. And this requires a lot of coal or wood. In the massive mm-hmm. castles and homes, some of their fire logs were actually so massive, they dragged them inside by a horse and a chain. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? And wow. I guess that's true. Like some of the hearths I've seen in castles, like cover an entire wall. So you can imagine that the log that sits, I just, I never even thought of it that way. I just thought they always had like a big pile of like logs, yeah. like what we use, but it would have been like a, ho- a whole tree in there. That's crazy. Like the, the horse brings it in and then stays in there with you for yes. the warmth. <laughs> Warm up here, buddy. <laughs> yeah. This is the thing that we kind of use today. So they had hand warmers that were actually hollow metal spheres. They would put a hot coal in. And they, they're kind of like those hand warmers that we use today for like soccer or football games. The ones, where you the shake. ones that you like yeah. shake. Yeah. I, I stick them in my they're gloves. They're great. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I just bought? I haven't tried them yet, but another mom had them at a game. They're actually heated gloves. You have to charge them. So I Ooh. might get a chance to use them this weekend. You charge them, you put them on, and they're just hot gloves. <laughs> oh, we're so we lucky. Are. I didn't have to get a metal thing for coals or anything. <laughs> no. I'm just going to plug it in. <laughs> Oh, also a side note here for lacrosse, when they first start practicing in March, at least my girls here, it's super, super freezing still. And we oftentimes still get snow and ice. They can't use fabric gloves because they can't get a good grip on them. They do have special lacrosse gloves that they could wear, but most of the girls don't have them because it's not very, you know, it's like a couple of cold days that they play and then the rest is like more of a spring summer sport. But the coach usually brings, they're not rubber gloves, latex gloves. I was trying to think of what the word was, like what a doctor wears. And they'll put those on to retain some of the heat and it helps them grip their um, things still. Oh, that is a good idea. Yeah. I I remember the first time I saw them do it, I was like, this is really weird. Why is everyone wearing latex gloves? Is someone sick? Like, should we be playing? And then they were like, no, it helps keep our hands warm. Which was- no, I can see that. I've Totally. I've worn those for things before and then pulled them You're off. You're sweaty, right? Yes. <laughs> I've had the same thing. They would also use bed warmers that they would fill with coals and put at the base of uh, the bed near their feet or warmed bricks or stones, sometimes mm-hmm. a hot water bottle as well. And here's a fun fact because we love fun facts, right? Yes. The phrase cabin fever actually comes from people who lived in cabins in the olden days and had to stay inside for so long during the winter and huddled up for warmth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally get it. I would have had cabin yes. fever. Yes, same. Absolutely. So we're to the point right now where we get to hear what you're reading, Eliza. What are you reading right now? Um, I am reading The Diamond Eye by Kate Quinn. Now, this book made me cold. So that's why I chose it for this week. The cover even has like a girl with snow and it just makes you shiver (laughs) thinking about how Mm -hmm. freezing she must be. So I'll read you a little bit about this book. In the snowbound city of Kiev, Rye and Bookish history student Myla Pavlichenko, I don't know if I said that right, uh, organizes her life around her library job and her young son. But Hitler's invasion of Russia sends her on a different path. Given a rifle and sent to join the fight, Mila must forge herself from studious girl to deadly sniper, a lethal hunter of Nazis known as Lady Death. When news of her 300th kill makes her a national heroine, Mila finds herself 
torn from the bloody battlefields of the Eastern Front and sent to America on a goodwill tour. Still reeling from war wounds and devastated by loss, Myla finds herself isolated and lonely in the glittering world of Washington, D.C., until an unexpected friendship with First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and an even more unexpected connection with a silent fellow sniper offer the possibility of happiness. But when an old enemy from Ella's past joins forces with a deadly new foe lurking in the shadows, Lady Death finds herself battling for her own demons and enemy bullets in the deadliest duel of her life. And that's a great description of that book because I've read it too. (laughs) It's perfect. It's a good one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's freezing. Like the whole book, I was cold. She was cold. I was cold. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It fits. It definitely fits. Now, why don't you tell us about one of the books you wrote? Oh, right. I will. So this week I'm sharing my book, My Lady Viper. I don't know if there's any coldness in that book or not, but I just love that book. So that's why I'm sharing it. (laughs) So (laughs) that is just a great, great reason. (laughs) When Anne Boleyn falls, the executioner. Oh, look. There is some coldness. Here we go. (laughs) All right. When Anne Boleyn falls, the executioner's axe on a cold spring morning in 1536, Anne Seymour knows her family faces peril. As alliances shift and conspiracies multiply, the Seymours plot to establish their place in the treacherous court of Henry VIII, where a courtier's fate is decided by the whims of a hot-tempered and fickle monarch. Lady Anne's own sister-in-law, Jane Seymour, soon takes Anne Boleyn's place as queen. But if Jane cannot give Henry a son, history pretends that she too will be executed or set aside, and her family with her. In desperation, Lady Anne throws herself into the intoxicating intrigue of the Tudor court, determined to ensure the success of the new queen's marriage and the elevation of the Seymour family to a more powerful position. Soon, her machinations earn her reputation as a viper in a den of rabbits in a game of betrayal and favor. Will her family's rise be worth the loss of her soul? It sounds so good. And I, I have a question for you. Did Ooh. you know you were related I when didn't. you wrote this? No. Or did that come as a surprise after? It was a total surprise. So I wrote that book in, I think, 2014. I started writing it in 2011, and I, it got published in 2014. I had no idea. I found that out, like, I don't know, maybe three or four years ago when I got really mm-hmm. into, like, going down that genealogy rabbit hole (laughs) yes and I was shocked I was like oh this must be why I'm so obsessed with the tutors and like why I wanted to write this book yeah it was pretty cool it is crazy how that stuff is just somewhere inside of us yes it really is yeah we hope you enjoyed today's episode on ways people of the past stayed warm and maybe you have some ideas of how to stay warm now too Coming up, we have guest authors Brenna Ash, Carrie Mayer, and Bryn Turnbull. Along with our classic happy hour chats, which include Holocaust Remembrance Day and the Violins of Hope, as well as Female Rebels of Scotland during the Jacobite Error. Yay! Yay! Thanks for joining us! Thank you! Bye! Bye! For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at History BKS Wine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers and happy reading. 
The first time I used Instacart was with my sister. We were baking cookies and I'd forgotten the butter. Instacart to the rescue. Now I even use it when we're on vacation so our staples are delivered right to our door. Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers groceries in as fast as one hour. They connect you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores. Follow the link in our show notes, and that lets Instacart know we sent you and help support our show. Plus, you'll get free delivery on your first order over $35. There's multiple stores available in most areas. Shop all your favorites on a single order. The products you love from local stores. Hand-selected by shoppers based on your preferences. Delivery to your door in as fast as one hour. Instacart highlights deals to help you save money. Find everything you usually buy and get smart suggestions for new items. They pick the freshest produce and keep your eggs safe too. Let Instacart shop for you. Hello, listeners. This is Lori, and I'm here to tell you that podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. We use Buzzsprout. And it's hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. You'll get a great looking podcast website, detailed analytics, and more. Following the link in our show notes, let's Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Get you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed.